to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. One of the sectors on the ASX and indeed globally, which has been running red hot since the COVID outbreak is the health industry and everything associated with it. With shareholders increasingly looking for undervalued stocks and companies with tremendous upside, it's opportune that we are speaking today with First Group, a company listed on the ASX under the code 1ST. And I'm very pleased to say that the co-founder and managing director of First Group, Klaus Bartosch, joins me now on the Unicorns podcast. Klaus, welcome to the program. Justin, thank you. Uh, Good to be here. Okay, let's wind the clock back to when First Group first began. This is uh, when you're still a startup business, a private company. Can you tell our listeners how it all first started? Absolutely. So I met with my co-founder, a dentist, um, Rick Liu, back in 2011, Um, He had an idea. I had a lot of technology and online experience. And essentially, the idea came from, um, for those listeners who are old enough, and I'm certainly of that era, and I know you are, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) um, Back then, then there was an online platform called whatif.com. And whatif sold what was called distressed inventory. And their distressed inventory was hotel accommodation for the next two weeks that was unlikely to be booked. And the particular um, use case or experience that Rick had as a dentist was filling last minute cancellations. He he determined to his private practice and he managed to determine that it was costing him between 50 and $60,000 a year in last minute cancellations that he could now no longer fill. And it required his team to call people who are on a wait list or call people that may have had a booking two or three weeks from now to to try to bring them forward, which only then really only kicked the problem down the road a bit further because now he had a vacancy two or three weeks from now that he needed to fill. And so that was the kind of genesis of the idea. Um, But that of itself was too narrow a view of the business. So he and I got together and we reformulated the um, business and the business model to be about enabling any patient to book any appointment online 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and, and to do so across a range of industries. The kind of first strategic mistake we made was that we started in dental. Started in dental because that's obviously that's where my co-founder came from. At the time, yes. we didn't think that GPs would be that interested, given they had full appointment books, etc. Yes. And that was the kind of first major mistake that we made because it turned out not to be true. However, we signed up our first customer before we launched our platform in Pacific Smiles Groups, who remains okay. on our platform today as a large dental group today. And, Klaus, and, uh, and that, what sort of uh, time frame are we talking here? What's what's the year? This is um, 2011 that we okay. signed up yep. um, Pacific Smiles Group, and in 2012, April of 2012, we first launched launched the service that we originally called First Available and then some years later changed its name to My Health First, which is the platform that uh, exists today. Okay, so the concept is just like uh, you'd get a last minute hotel room. Um, I can do the same with a healthcare booking. 
but it's it's obviously morphed into much more than that now. Well, look, it was always much more than that from the outset. So one of the things that we understood very early on in the piece was, and this came of the fact that I had spent a lot of time supporting and working with companies like Seek, What If, Car Sales, realestate.com.au, 9MSN, Grays Online, and whatif.com, and watch these companies go from the small early stage startups that they were to what are now multi-billion dollar Giants. corporations mm. um, globally and continuing to operate and do amazing things. And and what, what um, I guess occurred to me at that time speaking with Rick was, you know what, healthcare was the last, almost the last category on earth that had yet to make a transition to online. I mean, if you think about it, even even up until today, um, you know, the way in which we do one of the things with healthcare providers, which is book an appointment, is typically done by telephone, even today, even though a platform like ours exists and there's been great progress made. But for me, when you think about patient engagement or consumer engagement with healthcare, the way that we've all been doing these things hasn't actually fundamentally changed in 100 years. That's a century, right? You think about it, when when the phone phone got created, we would ring them when they were open, they would tell us what appointment they would like to offer us to take. Um, And all of the other things that we do is still very much, um, you know, done in a fairly traditional way. And it's the only category on earth, I think, that still uses fax machines to this day extensively which i find extraordinary it's extraordinary but 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 it is changing and changing really rapidly and so you know the first five years of our journey was frankly hard it was tough it was difficult getting an industry who um even though they were using um online services themselves for booking accommodation and booking airfares and reserving you know reservations and restaurants Getting healthcare providers to embrace technology that benefits their patients um, and benefits their front desk staff was a huge challenge. So um, why, why do you think that? Why do you think that is the case that they expected um, people to physically call the practice to talk to the front desk? So, Justin, I, I should have known better, but I think this is one of those things that entrepreneurs. Um, deliberately choose to ignore, which is if we all knew the obstacles as entrepreneurs, we wouldn't start in the first place. So being blind to those obstacles is useful. I've been around for a little while and I've worked in, um, you know, major corporations and small businesses across enterprise systems and online technologies now for several decades. Um, that's how old I am, sadly. Yeah. Um, but, but, what's, but what's interesting is the one thing that has always proven true across technology is is change is the number one enemy people are naturally resistant to change until there's momentum and once there's momentum everyone gets behind it but it does take a while i mean you may have heard about the old tipping point right of 15 percent once you've got 15 percent of the market on board the next 30 percent come on board very very quickly but finding that first 15 percent is the kind of key that creates an important tipping point and i think that's Really, what's the core here is even though these, I mean, I, I would say to doctors in the early days, you know, hey, you know, you book appointments with your, um, um, you know, you, you, you kind of um, book online for airfares, you book online for accommodation, you do all these things online, they go, yep, yep, yep. And wouldn't it be great if your patients could also book with you online? 
And then you say to them, and wouldn't you as a doctor like to book your next appointment with your optometrist or other service online as well? And they would all get it immediately. They all go and go, oh, my God, of course, yes. Of course I would want to do that. But you've got to lead them there. And it might only take them 60 seconds to realise how how silly it is to be ignoring the fact that this change makes sense. But it does take that minute for them to have that aha moment and go, you know what? This is uh, this makes complete sense, and so the first practices that we got on board, you know, really embraced the change very, very well. Our technology has taken a while to mature okay. and become robust, and you know, one of the complexities in the in the market we operate within is that there are all these um, software systems that um, healthcare businesses use to run their operations. They call them practice management software systems. And integrating with those is important because that's where the calendar, that's where the kind of appointment book exists okay. that we need to get and access to. And is that different from, say, what doctors use to dentists, to physios, to chiros? Are they all different? Oh, my God, yes. And you got to, I keep asking myself, why is it so? I've kind of got a view now, but it's absolutely right. In fact, why is it so? That sounds like something of another era. Never mind. We'll get there. So, so look, yeah, so look, um, each healthcare sector, so dentists, there are about four or five major systems in that category. There are four or five major systems in GP. There are many more systems in what's called the allied services market. So four or five for podiatry, four or five for ortho, you know, for um, um, physios, et cetera. There's about 120 of these products used in Australia, of which about 50 dominate the vast majority of the market and we now integrate with all of those 50 and so those integrations is the kind of one of the key barriers to entry into our market is both knowing how to do them and then developing them and creating them is um is really important and that means that we can now through our platform for the first time see in real time the actual available appointments that exist across the country in any healthcare service. Imagine that. Imagine not being able to see for the first time when a dentist, when an optometrist, when an orthopedic surgeon actually has availability. That hasn't been about that wasn't possible before a technology platform like ours. And that has really um, you know evidenced by the fact that you know fast forward 10 years from launch almost um, and where are we now? We've got 11,500 healthcare businesses on the platform. We've taken 13 million appointments online, which sounds like a, a lot, Justin, but, you know, there are still over 50 million appointments booked every month in Australia, of which the vast majority are still booked by telephone. Probably, I'm guessing... Really? Yeah, 100%. Probably at least, you know... 47, 48 million of those are still being booked by telephone. And that's the opportunity that we have ahead of us is that there are, even though we've got 11,500 practices on our platform, there are around 150,000 that exist in the country. And there's still, you know, 50 million appointments a month that we can convert to go online. And that's a significant opportunity for us being able to do that across a broad healthcare services. I mean, GP is only one of the categories in healthcare. It represents about 8% of the market, um, yes. but it's all the other services and getting all of those onto our platforms that is really key to delivering the kind of consumer benefit. And look, we've talked a lot about booking an appointment, but that is now just one of nine products and services that we now offer customers. Okay, so I'll get to that in a moment. So who, what are the categories, if I wanted to make a booking with a healthcare professional on the platform, 
who can I find on there? Yes, if you went to myhealthfirst.com.au, which is the first part is spelt 1ST, just like our code on the ASX, so myhealthfirst.com.au, what you'll find is that you will find um, huge numbers of optometrists, um, dentists, psychologists, um, a really broad range of healthcare services. We're now um, number one in optometry, um, um, pharmacy, vet, soon dental, um, and obviously have GPs, orthopedic surgeons, um, you know, a very broad range of healthcare services, physios, podiatrists, um, um, you know, a, a, a really num great, a great number. There's probably today close to 40 different specialists um, or for specialties, I, think I should say, that you can now access through the My Health First marketplace to find and book a service. And importantly, you know, if, if it's a practice that you're familiar with, you can visit their website and you'll probably find our, uh, what we call Book Now widget, our Book Now button on their website and you can okay. book an appointment through their website as well. So there's multiple ways in which you can access these kind of services um, with our customers. And um, what, what are some of the services that FIRST is now offering? Yeah, so obviously we started... Um, by simply solving the one key problem, which is how we book an appointment so that we can book it online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as you know, Justin, I'm a fortunate beneficiary of that having in 2013 booked an appointment that led to me saving my life, which is a mm. big conversation in its own yes. right. Yes. Um, but then about three, four years ago, we started releasing other additional products. And so, for example, in the industry, they have what's called recall. It's a bit like a car recall, <laughs> except, <laughs> except it's, designed, it's designed to get you back for your periodic appointments. And so yeah. things like if, if you've got diabetes, your regular three-month checkup. If you um, wear glasses, your um, annual eye, eye test. If you yeah. send a dentist, your six-month scale and clean. These are called recalls in the industry, and, uh, and, and those are sent to you through our platform by SMS and they allow you in three clicks to book an appointment. I mean, most of us are familiar with the old method of recalls that has been around for this century that I keep talking about, which is the proverbial letter in the post. It's a letter right? in the mail, yeah. Right? Which, which you get when? You get that when you get home from work. You open you it up at seven o'clock at and night and you go, yeah, yep, I, I need to action that. You know you can't ring them now because, you know, they're closed. Um, and you're supposed to do it the next day. Well, guess what? You know, more than a third to half of us forget, don't action it, don't proceed, and in the end, delay seeing the service that we should be seeing to improve and manage our health. And that's the downside where our um, recall product sends you an SMS with a unique link in it that knows exactly who you are and who you should be seeing and what you should be seeing them for. You click on it, pick your date and time and hit submit you're done. And then it enters it into your calendar on your phone. Yeah. I mean, it could not be simpler. And you can do it, you know, in three clicks, no matter where you are, you might be in a meeting at the office and you get that invitation and you can action it discreetly um, on your yeah. on your device and you're done. It's just as brilliant. That's kind of one. We also have a post-consult and pre-consult survey product. Um, what that does is it, it, it asks you questions after you consult about how happy were you with the service? Have you got any latent questions or concerns or queries about the things that were shared with you in your consult? And it allows and provides that feedback back to the practice, not just about whether you were happy, 
but whether you had any issues with this quality of the service that you got. So the practice can now figure out whether their doctors or providers are offering the right quality of service, whether their front desk staff looked after you properly, real customer care um, at a practice level. In a pre-consult context, if I think of it in, in terms of um, um, optometrists, it's asking you lifestyle questions so that, so that the practice can figure out what kind of lenses, what kind of sunglasses, what kind of eye care and eyewear would you most benefit okay. from, including, yeah. for example, contact lenses. And that, and that helps them be able to speak to you about those options and choices in a pre-consult basis. We also have what's called a check-in kiosk, so the ability for you to do what we all do at airports today. Who goes to a front desk anymore to check in? We walk, you know, we even now check in via our mobile device. Unless, yeah, unless you've got something, <laughs> some huge, you know, bag of golf clubs yeah. or something oversized. That's, that's it. Right. And, and even then, it's just bag drop-off, right? You don't even yeah. check anymore. Yeah. You just drop off yeah. your bag. And so we do the same thing in healthcare where there's no need to go up to the front desk. You can either walk up to a kiosk or check in via your mobile phone and then sit down. How easy is that? I mean, and how much better is that than waiting behind the desk while the person behind the desk gets off the telephone to eventually greet you, which is always, you know, a, a pretty unpleasant experience more often than not in, in most places. Um, we have the ability to do telehealth, which has become a big thing these days. So, you know, more about that. So that's ability to take a video consult online, right? So that basically rather than going and schlepping your backside into a practice, you can actually now do this from the convenience of your own home or your own private location using your mobile phone or your laptop and have a meaningful and sensible video consult with your provider and have the payment, et cetera, all dealt with um, by that consult. It's really easy. It's really effective. Um, it's just a shame that in Australia, mind you, I think what the government done here is terrific because by offering Medicare support for telephone-based telehealth. They've provided people with a with real access to services during COVID and good on them. It's a great, great thing that they've done. But in time, I think we'll see more of that translate to video consults so that the way that you'll be able to engage providers is via video rather than having to, like I said, you know, rock, rock up to their practice, sit in a waiting room full of other sick people to then Coughing see someone. Spluttering all over you. Yeah, and, and truthfully, the vast majority of those can be done perfectly well by video. And uh, and we now do Zoom, as you know, Justin, Zoom has become, or Zoom type um, um, engagements has now become a real thing. I mean, COVID has had such a positive impact on our industry. So I was going to ask. Yeah. That's, I mean, look, it's, it's really upset the <clears throat> apple cart um, globally, but I imagine for, um, for med tech, telehealth um, businesses, in the health sector, it's it's been an unbelievable opportunity for um, increased customer growth, for technological advancement, for innovation across the board. We, we, we describe it as a structural shift. What I mean by that is in the space of a few weeks, an entire country of both consumers in the healthcare context, patients, and doctors have all been forced online, en masse, en masse, and have had to become familiar with those technologies to engage online in a way they haven't had before. I had predicted a certain roadmap of transformation over the next decade that I now think is going to happen over the next two to three years because of COVID. 
it has just been transformational in terms of driving people online in a significant way. And we have seen the evidence of that in the way in which people are now booking appointments online has risen significantly off of the back of COVID. Um, yeah. And people it's been... are now used to it, aren't they? <clears throat> I mean, they're having, for example, they're having business meetings uh, where you would normally have them face-to-face. Face. They're all happening virtually. So there's no reason why that can't be replicated in a health setting. Justin, I used to fly every week. I have had three flights in seven months. And, and status it, credits must be falling through the floor. I, oh, look, I think my platinum status is going to go out oh, the window anytime yeah, soon. Yeah. Um, but, but I tell you, it has, it has been an absolute godsend. I mean, it has mm. made everyone so much more productive. People have become very comfortable with video um, conversations now. Like, we don't call each other by phone anymore in our company. It's all done by video. Mm. Always wanted it to be that way, but gosh, it was hard to get people to do it. Now, it's hard to get people to call you on the telephone. They want to do a Zoom call with you, which is yeah. terrific. Yeah. So, so it has worked very well. And that's made people way more comfortable with these kind of technologies. Doctors need to wake up because they haven't yet embraced the technology as meaningfully and as well as consumers have. And okay. consumers have absolutely taken to it like a duck to water. And But we are seeing very, very... Um, you know, increased rapid adoption of the kind of technologies and services that we're providing in the market now because of this transformation. So it's been a, it's been really exciting, and we've also seen a level of technology innovation and and, uh, and government policy making and decisions made at a pace that we've never seen in our lifetimes. Mm. I mean, you know, we've been we've been waiting for the government to make decisions, for example, on telehealth um, policies, changes in Medicare support for the last ten years. It took them a week in COVID to make those decisions. And I imagine in particular, um, mental health <laughs> services through your platform would be particularly uh, busy at the moment, given obviously COVID, but also the nature of the consultation, given that it's not a physical examination as such. It's a significant category for us, Justin. Um, it's one that we saw from day one when we first launched our service. We had huge demand for people looking to find and book appointments with psychologists, but we had none. It was our second highest search category and we had none to offer them to book an appointment with. Mm. You know, today, I think by the time Christmas comes around, we'll be the largest um, online platform for enabling people to find and book psychology services. And that's in part due to our very strong um, um, relationship with a company called Benistar. Benestar Group, which is a employee assistance program provider, complex name, EAP is what they're known as in the industry, but essentially they offer um, psychology and counselling services to the employees of Australia's major companies. And, um, and through them, we've been expanding our presence um, in the psychology market, which is such an important category, particularly with COVID, where the distress that people have experienced, the suicide rates have escalated. It's just been a very difficult time for a lot of people. Physically can't get out of their their homes. Exactly. And and, and look, uh, you know, great kudos to psychologists and counsellors because they have embraced video consults phenomenally. GPs could learn significantly from that category. They are they are brilliant at it, and um, and they really make it easy for people to engage them, which I think is um, really wonderful news. What do you do with um, specialists 
Because that's a very mysterious category. If you need to go and see, you mentioned before, an orthopedic surgeon or something, the waiting list can be months and months and months. And I think up until certainly recently, that requires a physical phone call. Do you do any work with specialists? Oh, my God, Justin. You know, it's it's a really interesting question. Um, from the first day we launched our service, one of the areas we wanted to disrupt was the referral from a GP to a specialist. I mean, yeah. that experience, yeah. for those of us who get older, and I'm 58 now, um, those of us who get older, we end up being referred to specialists more often than not to, <laughs> to, to fix up our broken bodies for one way, one way yeah. or another. And that experience is just awful. I mean, even, even just to, to a radiologist, the whole process is just so not patient-centric. Um, and, you know, we, we, over a year ago, engaged with and won a, a contract with St Vincent's Health Australia. They have 10 private hospitals across the country and some 1,400 specialists across those 10 private hospitals. They shared our vision, which was to fundamentally transform the way GPs can um, access and uh, patients can book appointments with specialists. And so with them, we built another new product of ours that we call Easy Referrals. And okay. yep, the name tells it all, Justin, we make referrals easy, easy for the GP and easy for the patient. And so what we who, give so the who GP does, yeah, who for the- does, Who does the booking? Yeah, so either the GP or the patient. So the GP can, for the first time, not only um, make a selection of an orthopedic surgeon, but know exactly when that um, orthopedic surgeon has an available appointment. Right. And so they can, can they book can it there and then. Yeah, okay. They can see their calendar, they can book it there and then, and and Justin, they can upload, as in they can they can transmit as part of that appointment the referral documentation so that the specialist immediately has access to the referral information. They've got an appointment directly in their appointment book. The GP knows it's now been confirmed, the patient knows it's now been confirmed. It takes them like 10 seconds to do it. It's not hard, it's quite quick. And the GPs who have used the service love it. They absolutely love it. The, they'd like us to get many, many more specialists on the platform and working hard to do that. Um, it, it has been um, uh, an amazing success. In, this, in the St. Vincent's context, the service is called stvincentspriority.com.au. So if your listeners go to stvincentspriority.com.au, they'll get to see what it is that we've helped build for St. Vincent's. But you can also find all of those same specialists on myhealthfirst.com.au. And, um, and that is just, a, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic um, program of work. Um, we launched it um, in December last year, so it's relatively new. Um, we were expanding it in February. Then guess what happened, Justin? Mm. COVID, <laughs> yeah. COVID came along. Private hospitals got seconded by the government and specialists were put out of the parking lot waiting yeah. for their next appointment. But despite that, it can, the use of it continued to grow, which I think is really interesting. And so, so the feedback we've had from patients and from um, specialists and specialist practice of the service and St. Vincent's has been terrific and so we know that the future is very bright but there is a huge demand for this and i'm delighted that we've built something that is transforming the way that patients uh, get referred to um to specialists it's really quite exciting um, category for us so you've taken the business from concept in 2011 private company 
the Mad Race for Startup Capital to a public listing um, to now where you're the managing director of a, a public company. What is what is it like running a public company on the ASX? Living in a glass bubble as a startup and entrepreneur where everybody gets to see everything. <laughs> they, get to see, mm. they get to see when things go good. They get to see when things go bad. They're very short, short tolerance for things that don't quite go. I mean, they forget that what we're building is a significant national platform and that takes time. And when you're a public listed company of investors who are looking for, um, in some cases, short-term returns, if they don't see them, they start, as you say, throwing tomatoes at you. To be honest, the vast majority of shareholders in our company have been very patient, very supportive, and yeah, very understanding, good. and um, been terrific. And particularly our top twenty, who hold about seventy percent of the company, have been very, very supportive of the business. Uh, and no, they no. see the long-term potential of what we're creating, which is significant. And so, I think our time is coming. Like the real value creation in our business is going to occur over the next few years. As we've really done all the hard, heavy lifting now with book tech. We've got a significant market presence. We, our new products that we launched in the last few years are starting to mature and starting to accelerate. And, and I think our, our growth trajectory will only improve over the coming quarters and years and months. And I'm, I must say, a couple of very recent partnership deals, which certainly on the surface look extremely encouraging, one with OpenPay, uh, the other most recently with you know, the hottest company, I think, on the planet at the moment, Afterpay. Can you tell us about both of those, Klaus? Yeah, look, they are significant strategic um, partnerships um, with those two organisations. Openpay were the first to move. And essentially, um, what we're doing with both of these organisations, although the um, the work we're doing with Afterpay is much more extensive, and I'll explain this in a moment, but the best way to think about it is remember what we're doing as a company is moving more of what we do as consumers into online channels. Mm. So rather than walking through the door of a practice and experiencing those experiences and doing what you do over the phone, we're moving more of those interactions into online. That's at the core of what we're building as a company. And so there's a huge roadmap of additional products and services that we can provide over time. One of those is um, how you pay for the services you want. And so, um, you know, buy now, pay later services. So Zip, OpenPay, Afterpay is three well-known examples. Provide you as a consumer the opportunity to, um, uh, you know, pay in the same way you used to with, um, with Layby, right? You yep. pay in installments yes. over a period of time, but the merchant receives his money up front. And so... And so, um, you know, right now, the experience without a platform like ours is the first time you learn that a practice offers these services is at the point of sale, at the point at which you're about to pay your bill. And for a lot of consumers, they may not be an open pay user or an afterpay user or a zip money user. And so they now have to figure out what, what can I do about that? And a lot of people also are a bit shy and embarrassed about asking to pay for their bill with those services as well. Of course. And so, so we're replacing what effectively is the decal on the front window and the sign on the front desk by facilitating your awareness of these services at the moment you're booking the appointment online. Ah, I see. 
yeah. right? So, so yeah. we're not we're not promoting the use of these services. We're simply letting you, the consumer, know that in your upcoming consult, if you wanted to, you could use OpenPay and now Afterpay to pay for that bill. And if you're not already a member of those services, then our platform helps you to sign up to become to be able to use those services in upcoming consult and we also insert into the appointment your election of wanting to use one of those products. So we ask you, would you like to use, for example, OpenPay at your upcoming consult? And if you responded with yes, I intend to use OpenPay, we let the practice know that you've elected to want to use that, um, that, that service to pay for your bill. As a consumer, the benefit isn't just how you pay the, pay the bill. It means you can take up better healthcare. What I mean by that is, better quality lenses than an optometrist or better quality frames or additional pair of glasses or, or, a, or some sunglasses to help you manage eye disease. And so you can make choices you wouldn't have been able before. At a dentist, it's being able to say, you know what, yes, I would like to do teeth whitening. Or, you know, yes, I would like to be able to commit to that crown that I know I now need or that yeah. tooth that needs to be pulled. And so it does help consumers make important healthcare decisions knowing they have the flexibility being able to make these payments, particularly in the world of COVID where a lot of people are under distress financially, mm. it gives them another method by which they can take up these healthcare services. In the case of um, Afterpay though, the more significant aspect of our relationship with Afterpay, which we announced just quite recently and the share price seems to have liked the announcement and rightly so, I think, which is that Afterpay are using our platform. So, using what we call um, in the industry APIs, um, which are essentially the ability for a, a third party to integrate with your platform, in this case with our platform. So Afterpay are integrating or enabling, I should say, in their mobile app and on their Afterpay shop, the ability to book an appointment with our healthcare network. And they are actively promoting our services to their healthcare network. So Afterpay, that, that big juggernaut of a machine is going to be going to their healthcare network and promoting our My Health First products and services to them, as are OpenPay, by the way. But, in the, but OpenPay don't have um, an um, Afterpay shop-style yeah. service yeah. Um, at this stage. And, so, and that shop in Australia in, has around 2.5 million visitors, I understand. And so... Those customers of ours who use Afterpay will be able to take appointments directly from the Afterpay mobile app and the Afterpay shop. And that's significant. I mean, imagine having a 30-odd, almost billion-dollar company decide that they're going to embed our technology in their significant platforms to benefit the healthcare merchants that they have on their, on their system um, by encouraging them to come into our system. So... So we're looking forward to it. The first phase is a six-month trial with Afterpay, and all that means is that we are we're going to deploy this across a number of customers. We're going to assess and tweak and find out what works. Once we've figured out what works and what drives the best engagement, um, we'll then continue. And so part of what we're looking for is um, uh, what, what they're looking for, I should say, is increased transaction numbers at a healthcare merchant. And, uh, and I'm pretty confident that that will be the outcome of the um, pilot programs that we're deploying currently for both OpenPay and Afterpay. Um, and to have both of those organisations actively promoting our service to their healthcare network, which in the case of Afterpay is 
you know, over over 3,600 healthcare providers, and I don't recall off the top of my head, OpenPay, I think it's well in excess of 2,000, means that we will expect to see significant increase in in um, in healthcare practices coming onto our platform as a result of their efforts in marketing our services to them. But that will follow the pilot phase. And so in the second half of this financial year, we should start to see those programs mature into, into post-pilot um, engagement and, uh, and then expansion from there. And if we see um, success from these pilots um, earlier, then I'm sure they'll probably move faster, but we'll be going live with those pilots this month. So we've been working at it for some months already, and uh, we're now ready to push that out and to start to see the results from those pilot programs with OpenPay and Afterpay. Final question, Klaus. For, me, for most people, I think they'll be happy to see the back of 2020. <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a shocker. In many ways, I think it's been a defining year uh, for your business. So my question is, uh, what's next? What does the future look like for First Group? <clears throat> That's a really interesting question, Justin. And um, the way I think about it is really simple, which is there is still so much that we do with healthcare services in a traditional way that we should be doing online. And so what we're going to do as a company is continue to get more providers on the platform, get more consumers engaging online digitally, Get, um, enter more sectors and become dominant in more of those sectors that we've talked about a sector being, you know, like GP and dental and optometry, et cetera. And then as we continue to expand and operate our business, you know, potentially in time, we may look to um, some offshore markets. We're already in New Zealand and growing very rapidly in both the, um, the vet and um, op uh, optometry market in New Zealand. Um, but there is still significant opportunity ahead of us. Remember I said, um, earlier on in this piece that there are about 50 million appointments being booked online, sorry, being booked um, every month so far, of which only a teeny percentage, maybe five or 6% are being booked online. Well, well, we wanna move that needle. The more we get people engaging online, the better the healthcare outcomes, frankly, for consumers. And, uh, and we know that the things we do has a big impact on your health. And in some case, can save your life. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I had, well, I didn't, I didn't think I explained why, but, you know, I had arthritis in my right knee. That led me at 9.30 one night to book an appointment to see my GP. Um, I've been complaining about this for weeks and like most men ignored the symptoms in my right knee because it was my arthritis, I thought. Saw my GP, a few, you know, a few days later, that led to a discovery that I had leukaemia. Um, a very rare form of leukemia was immediately hospitalized and found myself fighting for my life for the first month and thankfully got through it and now cured. But that act of being able to take action at that moment in time of when I was worried or feeling ill was so pivotal to driving a good healthcare outcome. And that at the end of the day is what our business is motivated by, is the fact that we know that we can drive consumers to getting engaged with healthcare services early when a symptom first presents itself um, and as a result of getting you early gets you back into work faster lower cost of um, health to you and your family lower stress and mental issues as a result it just drives good outcomes and that's hugely motivating for a business like ours klaus bartosz managing director of first group we wish you well and thank you so much for your time on the unicorns today thank you thank you justin really appreciate it